0: The American Thoracic Society, we help the world breathe.
1: This is Jacob Yasha Schneider, editor of the American Journal of Respiratory and Critical Care Medicine, welcoming you to the American Thoracic Society's podcast. I would like to introduce our editorial board member, Dr. David Kaufman, the Chief of Critical Care at Bridgeport Hospital, a teaching hospital affiliated with Yale University. His interests include sepsis, acute lung injury, and septic shock. Welcome, Dr. Kaufman.
0: Thanks, Yasha. Today, we will be discussing the article, Nasal High Flow Versus Venturi Mask Oxygen Therapy After Extubation, Effects on Oxygenation, Comfort, and Clinical Outcome, which is published in the August 1, 2014 edition of the Blue Journal. Joining us is the first author of this paper, Dr. Salvatore Maggiore, who is a consultant intensivist at the General ICU of the Agostino Gemelli Hospital and Assistant Professor of Anesthesiology and Intensive Care Medicine at the Catholic University of the Sacred Heart in Rome, Italy. He is the Chair of the Editorial and Publishing Committee and a member of the Executive Committee of the European Society of Intensive Care Medicine. He is a member of the editorial board of the journal Intensive Care Medicine and was a former deputy editor of the journal. His professional career has been involved in several research programs focused on acute respiratory failure and airway management, respiratory mechanics, invasive and non-invasive ventilator support, and the cardiovascular effects of mechanical ventilation, as well as ethics in intensive care. Joining us as an expert panelist is Dr. Laurent Brochard, Dr. Brochard is the head of the Interdepartmental Division of Critical Care Medicine at the University of Toronto in Canada. And he is the Keenan Chair for Acute Respiratory Failure and Critical Care Medicine at the Keenan Research Institute, St. Michael's Hospital, also in Toronto, Canada. He has been serving as the Deputy Editor for Critical Care in the Blue Journal for the last five years. Welcome. Dr. Maggiore, you and your colleagues conducted a randomized controlled trial of high-flow nasal oxygen versus Venturi mask oxygen for patients after ventilator liberation and extubation. Would you uh, briefly describe your main findings and also please remind some listeners who might not be very familiar with high-flow nasal oxygen about how it works and some of its advantages over more traditional oxygen delivery devices?
2: Sure. In our study, we compared the effect of the nasal flow and of the Venturi mask on uh, oxygenation in critically ill patients requiring oxygen therapy after extubation. We found that the nasal flow resulted in better oxygenation than the Venturi mask for the same set fio 2 Use of the nasal flow was also associated with improvement in patient comfort and a decrease in respiratory rate and the rate of interface displacement and of oxygen desaturation. Finally, use of the nasal flow was associated with less need for non-invasive ventilation and endotracheal inhibitions than the Venturi mask. The second question was about the advantages and the mechanism of action of the nasal flow. As compared with the conventional oxygenation systems, the expected advantages of the nasal flow are the improvement in gas exchange and patient comfort. Several mechanisms may account for the improved oxygenation we found with the nasal flow. First, the high gas flow is able to match the ventilatory demand of the patient thus providing a constant FeO2 which corresponds to the set fio 2 On the contrary, the standard oxygenation systems delivering low gas flow rates, such as the Venturi mask, often fail to meet the ventilatory demand of the patient. This, in turn, can induce a significant entrainment of room hair and the dilution of the inspired oxygen with the standard devices. In addition, the high gas flow generates a low level of positive airway pressure of about 2 to 5 centimeter of water. This positive airway pressure is directly proportional to the gas flow rate and may recreate the atelectatic lung. Finally, the nasal flow can decrease the dead space by increasing the tidal volume and by washing out the upper hard dead space and may create an oxygen reservoir within the upper hard
0: Dr. Brochard, this work demonstrated statistically significant improvement in oxygenation in the group that received high flow nasal oxygen, mostly as described by the P to F ratio but they found that the PAO2 was higher only at the 36-hour time point. Do you think that these differences genuinely are going to be clinically significant? And if so, how do we tie this into our understanding of post-extubation respiratory failure?
1: Thank you, David. And first, let me congratulate uh, Salvatore Maggiore and his group for a very interesting study. You rightly pointed out that the difference in oxygenation is not so impressive. It is statistically significant at one point in time. However, I have to say that as uh, I was editor on this paper, we had a lot of discussion about what's the real meaning of the PF ratio in a situation where the patient is breathing through an interface which is not completely sealed, and therefore, we are not entirely sure of what the patient's real FiO2 is. So that's why the uh, authors were very careful in saying the PaO2 to set FiO2 ratio was better. But I would say that if there was only this difference in oxygenation, I think the results would be of minor interest. And the major interest was that it was associated with uh, several other interesting clinical outcome uh, in the study. So to get to a real assessment of oxygenation would need probably other difficult, complex measurements.
0: To follow up on that, I think the, the gold standard and probably the clinically relevant measurement that most clinicians use at the bedside would be peripheral oxygen saturation because it's readily available and so we use it all the time. And the difference in saturation between the two groups was statistically significant at several time points, but was only about 2%. I wonder whether you think that that difference between about what looked to me like 96% and 94% between the two groups represents a genuinely clinically important difference, Dr. Brochard. That's a
1: good point, and uh, it's hard to say that this would make a lot of difference. That's interesting in the fact that it may reflect a better lung oxygenation, thanks to the uh, working principle of the technique, and this could be through uh, reopening of some atelectatic lung areas, for instance. But here we are guessing, so I would say if there was only this little difference in saturation, that would not make a big clinical difference. It's interesting because it may reflect that the lung is... uh, better uh, ventilated and, and maybe uh, reopened. But this is a part where it's a little bit of speculation.
0: Now, Dr. Majuri, you and your colleagues very carefully and studiously report that several secondary endpoints in your study were very different between the two groups but that your study wasn't statistically powered a priori to examine those differences. Would you mind just telling us a little bit about some of the more provocative findings, especially the decreased risk of requiring mechanical ventilation after extubation and how the lower respiratory rate that you observed in the high flow nasal oxygen group may play into all of these findings? Sure, David.
2: First I will uh... Talk about uh, the effect of the nasal flow on respiratory rate. Indeed, we found that respiratory rate was lower with the nasal flow than with the Venturi mask, with a mean difference of four breaths per minute. Previous studies have constantly reported a decrease in respiratory rate with the nasal flow as compared with standard low flow oxygenation devices. For example, Mandel and co-workers have shown that normal individuals change their breathing pattern, which becomes slower and deeper with the nasal flow. In particular, the decrease in respiratory rate seems to be due to the increase in the respiratory time resulting from the increase in the respiratory resistance. This slower and deeper breathing pattern increases alveolar ventilation, improves breathing efficiency, and has the potential to decrease the work breathing and to relieve dyspnea. One interesting finding of our study was that during the 48-hour study period, fewer patients in the nasal flow group require intubation 4% versus 21%, or any form of ventilatory support, 8% versus 35%. Several mechanisms may explain this finding, such as the improvement in oxygenation, the better comfort, the increased compliance with the oxygen therapy, and the improved patient's ability to clear secretions. Other factors, such as the decreased patient inspiratory effort and the better lung recruitment may have also played a role. Although this remains a speculation, it must be remembered, as you said, that our study was not designed and powered to demonstrate the superiority of nasal flow over the venturi mask in protecting the This remains, therefore, an hypothesis to be verified in a randomized controlled trial specifically designed for that purpose.
0: Dr. Margiore, to follow up on that, you noted in your findings that the rate of compliance with oxygen therapy was higher than with the nasal high flow treatment than with venturi mask. What role do you think that patient comfort and compliance with oxygen therapy? What role did that play in the clinically important outcomes that you've detected?
2: I believe that improved patient comfort with a nasal eye flow played a relevant role in our findings. In particular, we found that the use of nasal eye flow was associated with improvement in patient's discomfort related both to the interface and to airway dryness. This is in line with previous studies reporting that patients tolerate the nasal cannula better than the face mask. Other studies have also suggested that improving the humidification ameliorates patient comfort. The improved comfort with the nasal air flow could have increased patients' compliance with the oxygen therapy, which in turn may explain our findings that the use of this device was associated with the reduced rate of interface displacement and of oxygen desaturation. The better comfort and compliance with the therapy can thus contribute to explain the improvement in oxygenation and possibly the increase in the weaning failure rate we observed with the nasal air flow.
0: Dr. Brochard, Dr. Maggiore already explained how nasal high flow may play a role in reducing the anatomical dead space and improving lung compliance and and therefore improve the work of breathing. How close do you think we are to using high flow nasal oxygen as something like the standard of care for post-extubation patients? And in which groups do you anticipate Using this device? In in other words, what patient groups would be a high value cohort for the use of this relatively novel device?
1: Thanks. This is a very uh, exciting, interesting question. First, I think we guess a little bit about the uh, mechanism, but the washout of the anatomical dead space, of the nasopharyngeal dead space, is a very exciting hypothesis which has not been very clearly demonstrated because that's not so easy to do, but that's probably the very innovative part of this uh, technique. Today, I don't think Dr. Maggiore's study is sufficient to prove that this should be the standard of care for post-extubation patients. However, we already know that some patients are at quite high risk of uh, post-extubation respiratory distress, and need for reintubation, and there are really a lot of data showing that uh, this is associated with a poor outcome. So if this technique could help in reducing the risk of reintubation in those at-risk patients, that would be very nice. We need more work to define clearly who are the at-risk patients, but, for instance, those having previous Underlying respiratory or cardiac conditions are always listed as being at risk, and those having hypercapnia during the spontaneous breathing trial, for instance. So I do not see any risk already in this category of patients of using the technique, but clearly we need more clinical data, both on the physiological aspect And in terms of outcome, to say that it is really uh, something we should use as a standard of care. It's too premature now.
0: Dr. Maggiore, what uh, are the next steps that you have planned in your research with this device?
2: The next steps will be to verify whether the use of the Nazareth flow can improve the winning outcome because this is the most relevant uh, issue, as uh, Dr. Brochard mentioned before. To this aim, we have designed a randomized controlled trial that will test the hypothesis that the nasal flow, as compared with the Venturi mask can reduce the reintubation rate in patients requiring oxygen therapy after extubation. This study, the Rhino trial, is an international multicenter trial which plans to enroll 500 patients and has just started recruitment.
0: Assuming that your trial has findings that suggest that this is going to be a useful modality, can you tell us a little bit about what uh, cost implications might be using high-flow nasal versus standard low-flow oxygenation delivery devices?
2: For what I know, no study has performed a precise cost analysis related to the use of this device. However, I will link this issue strictly with the potential benefit that this device can give uh, concerning the clinical outcome. If uh, this device could, for example, reduce really the ventilation rate, then I suspect that the cost analysis would be clearly in favor of using this device, at least in patients who are at greater risk to fail the extubation.
1: Uh, Salvatore, I think the study is important because it touched on a really important clinical issue, which is those patients who are at risk and uh, who develop respiratory failure after extubation need reintubation and and this is a group with a high risk of mortality it's also i think important to be uh, sure that uh, the mechanism we suspect about uh, this device are really those uh, in action because uh, there may be different reasons for experiencing uh, respiratory distress after extubation and the pathophysiology may be different among patients. So which uh, kind of patients in your experience would be those who could benefit the most uh, in relation to maybe the the reason for having respiratory distress after extubation?
2: Thank you, Roland. This is a very, very important issue. And uh, I think that we are trying, uh, are starting now, to answering these important things, your question. So, before entering the data in the detail uh, of the answer to your question, I must say that for sure we need more studies. For now, for what we know from the literature and our study, I think that patients uh, which are more hypoxemic, uh, for example, at the extubation, are probably better candidates for these devices. Also patients who add a little bit more of secretions, not uh, to a point where extubation is uh, impossible, but uh, uh, we have experienced that when we extubate patients, patients just after extubation have a nexus of secretion, and in some of these patients, the increased, uh, the improved humidification that, uh, that we can obtain using this device can uh, also uh, offer some advantages.
0: Thank you for joining us for this conversation about the study on nasal high flow versus Venturi mask oxygen for patients after extubation. We were joined by Dr. Salvatore Maggiore, the first author of the paper, and Dr. Laurent Brochard, Deputy Editor for Critical Care at the Blue Journal. Thank you.